Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm a oh, what am I? I'm a teacher and a nutritionist, uh, exercise physiologist, competitive bodybuilder, and I guess powerlifting enthusiast. <laughs> what am I? How about, how about that? <laughs> Jeez. Um, huh. Fortress Fortney here, uh, editor, journalist. Former competitor, bodybuilder, and powerlifter. Geez, we're all kind of stumbling here with what we are. I know we're all over the place, but this is Phil Stevens. Um, I'm the founder of Strength Guild and LiftForHope.org. I'm a competitive powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and strength coach. And we've been around the block. And Lone Shark. And Lone Shark. Yes. Yeah. 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 No doubt. Well, listeners, we've got a bunch of news, uh, and I think the first half of our 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 show today is basically going to be news. There's a lot going on in the. in the world of bodybuilding and on our own uh, Iron Radio listeners page and our contest and just a ton of stuff. So we're we're just going to handle that uh, listener news and industry news the first half. And then in our topic of the day, after our break halfway through, we're going to discuss what makes someone beginner, intermediate, or advanced. And this was actually submitted a question submitted to us from a listener. So Indeed. We try to uh, accommodate... Our brothers. That's right. Um, yeah, first I think it's uh, most uh, pertinent is, is the announcement of our quotes winners. There's two of them. Strength and Muscle Sport News. Um, and I'm going to tell you their names and uh, their winning quotes. So our first winner, and, and by the way, Lonnie has already sent out the prizes, correct? Yes. Yes, sir. So, so uh, yeah, so you should be getting this. But I, one of the guys is in Canada, so uh, we we can't uh, guess how long that these things will take to get there. But because um, you know, one, one of the packages has something ticking in it. But just kidding. <laughs> Don't even joke, right? Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Homeland Security is listening to this. They're like, ah, we got that guy. Finally got Fortress. No. Um. First winner, Chris Davis. Don't we have like some sort of clapping soundtrack or something? Chris Davis, first winner from um, Alabama, and his Ooh. quote was, mm-hmm. "Yeah, his quote was, somebody may beat me, but they are going to have to bleed to do it." Yeah, I mean that's 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 good stuff, man. That's that just is. all that parts good, good stuff. Yeah, and um, our second winner is from uh, Manitoba, Winnipeg, Manitoba, here in Canada, uh, Jeff Chester, um, and his quote is what counts in sports is not the victory, but the magnificence magnificence of the struggle by Joe right. Paterno. That's a good quote. Magnificence of the struggle. That's what it's yeah, about. Yeah, I, I know that you yeah. also were saying, Lonnie, how you really like that one. It's There's, there's just something very uh, yeah, organic and manly about that, you know, that whole idea, well, if you don't die with your boots on kind of a thing. Well, so. you know, when we're 80 years old and looking back, if, if someone said, here's a plastic trophy, you know, does this make you happy or 
do you remember the competition where, I don't know, you, uh, you know, like when I competed in, early in the spring, I, I limped through the last couple of weeks with a damaged elbow, you know what I mean? And uh, I drove all over the country and invested so much of myself. And you know what I mean? That's what it's about. It's not about the piece yeah. of plastic. So. Well, I mean, there's, and there's so many um, different quotes that kind of um, make reference to that type of thing. I mean, it, probably one of the most famous ones being, you know, it's not the destination, it's the journey, yeah. which kind of alludes to the same type of thing. So anyway, those are our, our West uh, winners, Jeff Chester and uh, Chris Davis. I also wanted to, um, where is it here? I also wanted to uh, read an email we got, um, and he asked the question here, and I thought we could probably just answer it very succinctly on the uh, on our opening moments here of the show. Uh, this is from Sean. He's been listening to a Loves a Program. Thank you, Sean. Um, could you guys discuss strength sports for people who are not massive Viking warriors? What about powerlifting for people who are not, could never be two, over 200? What about smaller or shorter people who also love the Iron Game? We'd love to hear some examples of success stories about this topic or what we think about it. Well, Sean, um, again, I don't think this has to go on and on because, quite honestly, some of the most legendary <laughs> lifters um, in powerlifting and, and, and Olympic lifting, not so much, obviously, uh, you know, the strong men, because that's usually the domain of very tall men with very large hands because of the odd shape things they lift and implements and that type of thing but certainly in Olympic lifting and powerlifting there are innumerable success stories of guys and women obviously um, who are 200 or under um, I mean some of the greatest strength feats ever in those sports certainly in powerlifting have been achieved by uh, by guys who are much sub 200 pounds so Maybe maybe we it, maybe it's partially our fault here on the show because we always talk about you know as you said massive Viking warriors and that whole that kind of thing and, and we talk a little bit probably too much about that certainly. Well, I, mean, I don't know, Rob. You know what? That's it's an ideal when we talk about Vikings or Highlanders or I mean, pick Spartan, Zulu, any kind of you know. That's just to dredge up uh, historical references to the kinds of ideals. That we value. I mean, I myself yeah. am a smallish person, and I think some of the best bodybuilders ever have been smallish persons. Yeah, well, well you sure. Know, I mean, so. Yeah, I mean, even if you look at in bodybuilding, somebody who who you know excelled in both, uh, Mr. Olympia and like a world champion body, um, powerlifter, you, uh, Franco Colombo, two-time Mr. Olympia. I mean, he, you know, Arnold's uh, one-time best friend and training partner. I mean, you know, so there's there's endless examples of guys who who have. You know, beyond succeeded at lighter body weights, um, you don't have to be a behemoth, but what you have to be is strong and uh, dense and thick little bastard. And yeah, I mean, you know, if you're, I mean, obviously it's not so hot if you're, you know, six foot two and you're, you know, <laughs> tipping the scales at 170. That's, that's not helping too much, but you know, relative to your height. Um, relatively to your height, there's 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 no shame in being sub 200 pounds. You know, I I mean some of the little thickest bastards I've ever seen were two minus 200 pounds. You know. Oh yeah, you, know? you get to be as wide as you are tall. How about that? Yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, yeah. So Sean, I I don't really think that that's something that you you need to worry about. Or like, like I'm always telling Lonnie, wink wink, don't focus on these things. You know, plow yeah. forward. Like, but you, you know what, Rob? When you, when you do say that, it almost sounds like it's a it's like, like, don't focus on the negative or don't focus on a detriment. And I don't look at it like a detriment at all. You know oh, what I no. mean? I think no. I think if we get someone like, and no offense, I like these guys, but if you get someone like Jim Wendler and have him diet down, I, I don't think he's going to look great as a bodybuilder. I just don't. 
You know, he's huge, I'm sure. <laughs> but, you know, and, and, and it's the kind of thing where I could take pride in that I want to do a little bit of both. You know, yes. I like that old school thing. Uh, so, you know, some yeah. of the things that make bodybuilders so awesome, really, you know, they sort of make it a challenge in powerlifting, like little joints, little waists, little knees, little elbows, you know. And it's, but on the flip side, the things that make some powerlifters so awesome might hurt them in bodybuilding a little, like thick yeah. elbows and a thicker waist. And, you know, and, and yet there are bodybuilders with thicker bodies like Tom Platts who are freaking incredible. So it's all just take what you've got as a person and maximize it yeah. in a in a general sort oh, of strength. Oh no, strength, I absolutely agree. Lifestyle. I'm just saying, yeah. like like I mean, let the horse that you ride be passion. Hey, there's a yeah. quote. And I, the training. I just came up with that quote. That's a pretty. It's good. good. One. It's no, good. but I mean seriously, like find, whatever your passion is, don't let where you're standing, you know, like for with your physicality or thing, hold you back. Like I, I agree with you, Lana, hundred percent. I'm not saying think of it in a negative way. I'm thinking, but don't don't focus on it like, oh, but I can only ever hope to do this, or oh, this is because I, I I'm smaller, or this is because forget it. You know, I mean, if you want a good, um, go on the internet, man. I mean, the, the success stories that I speak of about these sub 200 pound guys are everywhere. Look and look at legends of powerlifting sites or anything like this, and look at these guys, and you'll see just the incredible feats that these guys have achieved, and yeah. um, use that as a barometer. And I mean, again, so I mean, not necessarily saying you'll ever get to those um, those goalposts, or maybe you will, or maybe you won't. Who cares? What I'm saying is you'll get an idea of what has been possible in the past. And what well, guys look at Eddie Cohn. Eddie Cohn is no giant, and he was what arguably certainly one of, if not the best power lifter that I've ever met, you know. Yes. So. The greatest deadlift of all time was when he, um, what, what did he weigh, like 219 pounds and deadlifted, he did a sumo deadlift with 901. Yeah. I mean, class, yeah. I, know, I mean, these are, this is crazy stuff. And again, I mean, it's just, but you can use that again as a framework for, you know, what has been possible. You know um, what, Rob, if you think about, I, I suggest, um, I, I suggest he check out 13th Warrior. One of my favorite Vikings in that film is not the biggest guy. He's sort yeah. of a middle-aged, he's part intellect, but he's all man. And he's not the biggest Viking, you know, yeah. but he's he's definitely one of the main characters. And uh, that's the oh. kind of thing I value. So pick something like that and use it as an ideal, you know, to help spur your training. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But, but I mean, to go back to the question, though, I mean, he wants us to talk about training for them, and it's really no different. No, no. You know, if you're if you're a short little guy, then then fine. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as where he said. I, I don't agree with you can never be two hundred pounds unless you're like four nine. There's no reason <laughs> yeah. you can't be two hundred. You know what? Pounds, I train is, with some that guys. Is a good point. That is a really good point. It, it's, I train with a guy who's about five five, and he's now up to two thirty, and he's thick. Damn. You know, but he doesn't look bad. Um. Yeah. No, a you know, very, very heavy training man in several years, um, you know, with, with moderate body fat levels should be, a, like you said, Phil, it's absolutely true. Unless you're four foot ten, you, it, it shouldn't be that treacherous to hit. Well, you know, you know guys, I, what nine, we're talking about here, I th- this is going to bleed into the topic of the day eventually, but one of the things that I'm going to suggest, uh, as a, a guide of how, with, you know, your static training status, intermediate and advanced, one of the suggestions is body mass index. In other words, you know, weight for height or, you know, fairly lean weight for height. And I think once you get in the upper 20s, 
and body mass index, you know, you're officially overweight by national standards. Now, your muscle mass and not just fat mass like, you know, most people would be. But again, you know, that's one of the indicators. And I mean, and that's the kind of thing you could be very enthusiastic about regardless of whether you're a seven foot tall Viking or not. And that's why I usually throw in stuff like Spartan, Highlander, you know, like I said, Zulu. Think about the best warriors throughout history. They were not always giant. They were just deadly, frankly. Yeah. You know, they were ultra manly, and like 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 you say, Lonnie, manliness doesn't necessarily translate to, you know, like gigantic. I mean, you look at the guy like uh, you know Clint Eastwood. I mean, you know, he's a muscular guy, and he's been in great shape for his entire life. I mean, it, 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 in large part, he he attributes to weight training. But I mean, let's be realistic. The guy was never a monster. But I mean, is it really, you know, like? But he's intimidating. You cer- know. Certainly, as a st- screen presence, you know, portraying a, you know, a tough kind of stoic man. I mean, is there anybody more manly, you know? And I mean, if you look back to his dirty, dirty you know, early Dirty Harry films, I mean, they, I mean, in in comparison to what's considered, you know, like like physically, you know, I mean, the guy looks like a stick. I mean, he's, well, you know what, Rob? Think about or think about like um, uh, Stallone. He's like, is he like five five or something? He's fi- no, he, no, he's about five five eight five nine. But still, oh, I mean, that's that's well, I didn't not. Think he was five nine. I'm not buying that. I think that's what they list. I've, I've seen the guy in person. He came up to my ankle. I think he's five. <laughs> oh, six or, yeah, he's short. Fair but the point is, the point is, he has a fantastic physique. I think most people would identify him as all man or Chuck mm. Norris. In fact, <laughs> that's one of the things. <laughs> Iron Radio listeners page is the new. Uh, yeah. What is it? Um, what's the movie? Oh, The Expendables too. Oh yeah, Expendables too. Yeah, Chuck and, you Norris. Know, is, uh, yeah. I can't believe they got Chuck Norris in it. By the way, you guys, somebody, one of our listeners, has got to post the little video from YouTube about uh, Chuck Norris uh, in the World of Warcraft. They yeah. said, there's this there's this classic like a uh, Asian guy voice saying, you know, ten million people play World of Warcraft because Chuck Norris allows them to live. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. But you it's, know, it's even bringing up Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris is not a, you know, he's a, he's not. <laughs> A young dude anymore. I mean, what is he in the seventies? Yeah, he's neither young nor tall, right? I mean, look at look at look at look at Clint Eastwood in that uh, you know Grand Torino movie from a few years back. I mean, what is the guy like eighty three? Oh, you know, dude. He's, I mean, he's that's, he's, that's on the, that's got to be in your library of man. Well, it is in my yeah, it is. It's certainly in my library. I mean, the guy's the guy the guy's ruling his hood. I mean, he really is. He's yeah. You know, he <laughs> shut, your, shut your mouth and I'll, sh- I'll shoot you in the face, like you know, like. <laughs> Yeah, classic stuff. Listen, I want to go through because um, you guys expressed uh, an interest in hearing a lot of these, and I, and I think a lot of our listeners would too. Um, you know, I mean, it's always subjective who the winner of these quotes contests was, and it certainly has nothing to do with the fact that we didn't, all three of us didn't get a kick and and really love um, the submissions that we 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 received um, for this competition. So, I want to read some of these if that's cool with everybody. Uh, yeah, go for it. Because I, because I, again, I think, I think all for all our listeners, just to kind of like, you know, kind of just, you know, have this plan and listen to some of these. I mean, these are all these are, these are great, great. Um, Melissa Trainer sent us managing energy, energy, not time, is a key to endurance, high performance, as well as to health, happiness, and life balance. We must learn to live our lives as as a series of sprints, fully engaged for periods of time, and then fully disengaged and seeking renewal. Very nice. Um, Byron Casey Jagger. Um, sacrifices the barrier between mediocrity and excellence. Nice. Um, Brandon, do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. 
Then the doing of your work shall be no miracle, but you shall be the miracle. Oh, man. That's good. Yeah. This is great stuff, guys. I hope you guys are enjoying this, because I'm actually enjoying reading them again. Um, A coward thinks he'll always live if it keeps himself from strife. Old age leaves no rest in peace, though spears may spare his life. We don't mourn a friend that fell or dread the day we'll fall ourselves. Warriors don't go to hell because we know Yogg will greet us well. I guess that must be a Norse thing. Um, um, so we've got a variety of quotes here from movies, oh, from music. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I, I mean, there's there's many, many more here, and I don't want to... You know, I mean, we got ones from um, Hormuz, um, Neil Day, um, uh, Chris Davis, Will Lewandowski, um, Sherm Ham, Eric Anderson, Bob Fabian. I mean, Ronnie Bosey, who sent us just recently, he's unfortunately came in past the deadline, but he sent us the Wayne Gretzky quote, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So, I mean, this is all great stuff. And like it I said, is, I, 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 I'm not going to go on and on and on here. I mean, you go on to our uh, Iron Radio, Radio listeners page, and you can find them all for yourself if you if you just want to read through them or, you know, save them for <laughs> before you go to the gym or, you know, or whatever you have to do. Um, but these are great That's quotes. Right. And like I said, just because we chose two doesn't mean necessarily the, the best. It's just maybe the ones that just kind of struck us the hardest at, at any particular time. But these are all great, great quotes. So It is, you. and I'll tell you what. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say thank you to all our listeners for for um, for uh, taking part. Like I said, our two winners, you'll uh, hopefully receive those gifts uh, shortly. Um, they've they've been sent. Lonnie has sent them, so there you go. That's right, yeah. and and you'll see what they are. But um, one part of it is um, uh, I try to spread knowledge, right? So they're nutrition textbooks, and they're very nice, and you can learn an awful lot out of these things. I, I get a lot of questions from people who are like. You know, they're asking me stuff that I, I just, I wince just a little, like, ooh, you know, you just gotta get back to basics here and learn, uh, uh some of the foundational stuff. So, uh, they're very informative, and I also threw in, um, some cases of protein bars. So you're not just saying, oh, thanks for the book, you know, nerd. <laughs> so, <laughs> and in, and people who, uh, anybody who wasn't chosen for a quote, and there were many, I think we had almost 50 entries for the quotes contest, We've got a very juicy uh, giveaway coming up, thanks to Phil. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So I figured we'd let's let's go ahead and hit that right now, um, since we're on giveaways. I just posted it on the Iron Radio's listeners page. So what we're gonna do? If no one's seen my holiday card, um, we're gonna have a holiday and, and card. And be thankful contest. if you haven't seen it. Oh, they brace yourself. Brace yourself. <laughs> so, <laughs> for this month, what we're gonna do is a top Phil's holiday card contest. Um, make a holiday card of your own. We will then choose the best one, and the re- winner re- will receive a new 1,500-pound rated Olympic barbell from PowerMax. Yeah. Um, mm. We'll announce the winner the first week of the new year. So uh, it's a good deal. We've got, uh, you know, PowerMax kind of came on board, and they're going to la- allow us to give some stuff away. It- it's a great company. I have one of the bars myself here that I purchased. Um, so it- let's see you guys get uh, creative and see what you can come up with. Somebody asked, does it have to be a... a- a photo of their own, or can it be just editing another photo? I don't care, you know. Frankly, I don't yeah. think you guys do either. Just make a holiday card. And if well, it, you know what, Phil? I think I think 
good ammunition for that would be some of those funny, you know, those uh, motivational posters you can find online. Yeah. If you Google motivational poster, and it'll show a picture underneath. Sometimes it's something humorous or, you know, that might be a good starting point. All we're really asking for is a reasonably sized photo, right, when you say a yeah. card. Like, almost think like postcard, right? Yes, yeah. And, and just a photo with a caption kind of, yeah. And you said Christmas theme? Is that what you're looking for? Yeah, a holiday card. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, I just want to give a shout out. So, I mean, if you want to look at the, the Power Max products, go to Gill Athletic, www.gillathletics.com. Um, we're going to be doing some other stuff with them here, maybe month to month even. So, giving some kind of something away to somebody. Boy, so. we're, we're in the, uh, we're in the, the, the seasonal spirit here, aren't we, folks? Yes, we are. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> spread, spread it around. Okay, I'll tell you what. As far as further news, I wanted to bring up a couple of things I've just been reading lately. Um, basically, three different magazines that I've looked at I think are relevant. One is the the 2012 January 2012 Muscle and Fitness. There is actually an article in there. I know you guys are going to wince. Called something like "Novice to Expert Lifter in 12 Weeks." Ooh. Oh, damn! You know so. This is, of course, one of the impetus, impeti, I don't know, plural for that, for uh, our topic of the day, which is, you know, what really qualifies you as intermediate versus advanced? Because, let's face it, that's exactly the kind of nonsense uh, that you start to see in some of these um, sort of watered-down strength publications. I mean, novice to advanced lifter in 12 weeks? 12 yeah. we- weeks? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's nice. Um and then also on the cover of that magazine, there's actually a guy who, I don't know, I, I hate to, you know, just be sour and rip on people, but he's what Rob would call a twink. He's a, he's a performance coach. And although I think oh, there's, man. there's, there's an, uh, it's popular, right? But, and, and there, there could be good in some of that depending on your goals. But, you know, the guy's on the cover and he's got like the gel spiked hair and he's sort of, you know, got golden tan, and he's not really shredded, nor is he really thick and deep and, and brutal looking. He's just sort of, you know, well, I guess it is, you know, muscle and fitness, and he's fit. But this whole performance coach thing, sometimes it bothers me a little. I mean, like, I guess if you want to be a generalist, that's great, but uh, it's hard for me to be really motivated about being a jack-of-all-trades master of none. I don't know. So, but anyway, so a little softness there, and then I and then I I put that down, and I saw the the December 2011 Flex magazine, and you guys know I was bitching about this before we hit the record button, but we have Mr. Olympia in there, Phil Heath, and he's actually saying, you know, his sort of goal is to chase the pump. Oh God, you know, yeah. more more what I would consider softness, right? I mean, there's definitely yeah. a time to go get a big pump and feel good about that but to make that a training philosophy i think that does a real disservice to young guys i mean let's face it most of the mass building that you're going to see in the gym is not while you're chasing a pump yeah but uh, you know the, the, and the sad thing with a lot of these guys and of course he's you know, phil heath is the new mr olympia of course for 2011 but i mean i mean th- this guy is you know i mean y- you get the people who you know naysayers you know he's he's narrow and all this kind of stuff but certainly i mean the guy is got a great physique and his arms are freaking otherworldly but i mean here's a guy and 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 they've existed quite plentifully in the last 15 20 years you know these guys who just respond really 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 well to their supplements and uh 
And drugs. Don't sugarcoat it, right? Drugs. Okay. To their drugs. And, you know, it's it does a disservice to the, to the average guy out there who who's not involved in that type of, you know, um, activity. It really does. Because if you're chasing the pump and you're not like, you know, one of these genetic freaks who responds amazingly to the shit and you're not using that, it's not fair because it's often said, um, and it's very true. When you're, when you're, when you respond that well and you're on that much stuff, all you really need to do is just stimulate. And I mean, I, I can't remember exactly who it was who said, but he was saying, you know, like when you're on enough stuff, if you got genetics, I mean, you, you, your calves will grow when you're walking down the beach through the sand. I mean, so. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and it really is true. I mean, all you have to do is stimulate the muscle. I mean, I've seen some amazing physiques on guys, and I've seen them train, and I've seen it's just almost pathetic what they do. I mean, it's basically just grab a dumbbell, kind of move it around, bounce it around a bit, and and again, I don't want to take away from a lot of these guys and what they achieve, but I mean, let's let's be realistic. Just to kind of put that force, chase the pump. I mean, that's not really going to serve um, the to advantage. The, a majority of the young men who are going to be reading that quote and are going to that's take that to heart yes. because he is Mr. Olympia, and I'm, certainly that's a feat in, in and of itself, but you have to put it into context, people. So, yeah. And I could be reading into it. I mean, I'm not saying this is the, you know, the single MO that this guy lives by. I'm sure he can move some pretty damn heavy weights, more than I can, I'm sure. But again, like I said, and like you said, the majority of guys looking at that are going to be like, ooh, chase the pump, you know, and it's like, well... Yeah, but pumping up a 147-pound physique, you know, when you should be under some heavy benches and squats is, you know, it's just misleading. I don't you know, like, well, I'm sure Phil and I can very easily get gigantic pumps from using 80-pound dumbbells for presses. Oh, yeah. But that's not going to really, you know, where we are particularly, it's not, it's not going to do a damn good thing. I mean, but I, I, yeah, I could pump my brains out for 20 minutes doing 60-pound dumbbell presses. Yeah. But, I yeah. mean, what does that mean? So, yeah, I look cool in the gym for a few minutes because I'm pumped out of my mind. And I well, feel... and you know, but sometimes there's a time for that. If you just want to go have fun. Oh, no. You know, get a yeah. Yeah. But, but to, yeah, but the way to it can't that... be the It can't be the be-all, end-all. And this is what I tell guys all the time. A pump is a good indicator of effort. It's a good indicator of, um, you know, you're targeting the right muscle group and these types of things. But if well, you're, if you're using... eating enough. If you're yeah, eating enough. You... You know, exactly. Like... But if you're using the pump solely as the, the sole, um, you know, uh, marker... You really have not quite grasped the, the full context of, you know, what you okay. should be experiencing and putting forth in the gym. Let me give you an example. Is I've clearly made my best gains, and this is no epiphany to anybody. Squatting, right? Do I get a pump in my legs when I squat? Not at all. Not at all. You know, I mean, I could go over to the leg, the leg extension machine, and probably get a, a screaming pump. The but, perfect you know, example. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, example. but who's but which which movement is going to make me massive? And it's you know it's clearly the squat. So and you know what? Maybe you finish out your squat workout with a a set of twenty with two and a quarter or something. You know what I mean? Or you you go to some machine and just get a, a brutal pump just just for the fun of it. But yeah, you, you don't start there. You know. Yeah. So. so yeah, there's several factors involved in you know to, measuring kind of your effort level and your performance and how much you've achieved. And yeah, just to go off a pump and, and, and I always say the same thing and just, just off muscle soreness by comparison is also kind of just, um, oversimplifying things too. Like, Oh, well I, it must've been a great workout. I got sore. Well, you know, maybe, maybe if it was your, you know, second weekend, that's good. But you know, once you've been trained to any length of time and the, here, here, here we go, Lonnie again with a segue to our topic of the day. You know, if you are, if you're experienced to any degree, 
then yes, just just muscle soreness post workout and muscle pump during the workout is are are it's it's too simplified to kind of be the only barometers. So yeah, well, okay, so there's two magazines I looked at. The last one was the NPC Competitors magazine. I know not everybody gets this, especially if they're powerlifters, but I just wanted to mention two things that jumped out at me when I looked at it. And honestly, I it's neat to look at some of the comparisons, but I tend to look at these things a little bit less these days. But one thing that jumped out at me is that. Lee Haney is, has just introduced another, yet another fitness certification and organization in the industry. Now, people need to understand there are over 300 different ways to get a fitness or really? you know, strength, strength training certificate in the industry. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm part, yeah, I'm part of the American Society of Exercise Physiologists, right? And they're always pointing this out that there are over 300 different ways. And the problem with this, of course, is that it dilutes and, con- you know, it dilutes the industry. It confuses the public as to who's legit and who's not because any twink can go out and get his, you know, be- Say he's a sports nutritionist or a, a, a tra- especially you know a, an expert trainer performance coach or whatever. So anyway, and again, I, I don't have much against Lee Haney per se, but here it says he just started the International Association of Fitness Sciences. Well, I like Lee Haney, but he's not much of a science guy in my mind. <laughs> no, no. And it says you know um, it, from basic nutrition to proper technique, contest prep, understanding body types. The IAFS is the only, uh, the first and only certification program created by Mr. Olympia, et cetera, et cetera. Now this can be yours. And again, I think people need to be very careful whether it's this IAFS or, I mean, again, any of the 300 other examples is people need to be very cautious and look at things that are more broadly and widely accepted and they're not just being offered for a monetary advantage for from the you know the the famous athlete who's behind it or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. I would strongly suggest things like the National Strength Conditioning Association. You know whether it's uh, certified strength conditioning specialist, the CSCS credential, or like the um, the NSCA also has a, a personal trainer certificate. The American College of Sports Medicine has some very widely accepted legitimate certificates. So you know several years several years. Just be ago careful. Here. Be careful. Yeah. So, you know as a consumer. Several years ago here in Canada, I wanted to do some personal training, and I, of course, most gyms today won't touch you, and you have certain sort of, you know, um, certificate, and so I did, and I'm not going to mention the name, but I did a very, very, very popular one here in Canada um, for personal training, and I was, it was like, I think, three or four weekends or something like that, and I was actually, in the beginning of the first class, I remember that the uh, instructor asked us, to, you know, asked us to go through one by one individually and say our name and say why we were there and our, you know, wh- where we come from is. And I was absolutely mortified when, you know, three quarters of the class, um, mostly it was mostly women, but most of the responses ran the gamut of, um, I remember one woman, you know, saying, Oh, you know, my friend Tracy got me into the gym, you know, uh, three months ago, and I just fell in love with it. So I thought, hey, I'm going to make some money with this because I want to, you know, pass this along to other people. And it's just, and I remember just sitting there thinking to myself, you've got to be kidding me. So in, you know, in a month's time or whatever, you're going to have, you know, a certificate to go into a gym and, and legally, um, you know, take on clients and personal train them in weight training and the, well, oh. Rob, you know what? I think I think you hit on the key word there is legally because the the problem is that fitness is not regulated like nutrition, right? When I say I'm a nutritionist, I am licensed to practice 
uh, you know, in the state that I reside in. It's like dentistry. You don't just decide to pick up dentistry because you had a nice appointment with your dentist recently. You know, you don't just yeah. read up. These are things that require uh, uh, experience and formal education and things like that. And, I mean, I think that's the problem is people can just get enthused and then they just become what they think is an expert. And it's just a frickin' train wreck. So be very, very careful. Yeah. And, you know, what? I should name one other, and I think Phil will probably agree. USAW, USA Weightlifting is a good certification as well. Uh, pretty widely accepted, you know. So you have to think about, like, what is a university or a hospital fitness center or, you know, a professional sports team, what are they going to be looking for? They're going to be looking at certificates like NSCA stuff, maybe yeah. USA Weightlifting, uh, you know, maybe American College of Sports Medicine. So there are so many out there. The only way to really know is to listen to someone who actually teaches this stuff like I do or talk to somebody who's experienced. I'm not saying all the certificates out there are bunk. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying be careful because when it comes to nutrition, you can have a certificate, and most states have licensure. So that would be like practicing dentistry, like I said, or medicine without a license. You cannot give prescriptive nutrition advice yeah. in most states. I don't care what kind of silly certificate you have. And the same thing, although exercise is not uh, regulated with state-by-state -state licenses, uh, and I, I'll tell you, a lot of coaches don't understand that. So they think, oh, well, I do exercise advice. I can do this with nutrition, too. No, you can't. No, you can't. Unless yeah. you live in California or Arizona or maybe Texas, some of the border states where they have very open laws, most states have nutrition regulation. But the point is, again, you also need a combination, like Bill Eben shared with us last week, of experience and formal education to be able to be responsible. And you don't just go pick up, let me say it this way. Four hours on a Saturday to get a certificate is not the equivalent of four years at a university. It's yeah. not the same thing. So no. beware, buyer beware, whether you're a trainer, trainer or you're, a, you're the trainer himself or herself, you know, step up and do it right. I got an interesting one that I want to run past you, Lonnie. I've been dealing with a, a client and friend of mine that comes to my gym. He's finishing up his um, uh, exercise science degree and getting ready to do his internships. So they're pushing him, of course, into the PT realm to yeah. do internships, but that doesn't interest him at all. What he's into is the strength and conditioning. Mm -hmm. So uh, with a little help from me, he set it up where he was going to do like four internships okay. at four various places. He was going to go spend time with Ripto, spend time with Dan John, myself, John Bros, and uh, another well-known coach up in California. Um, they turned him down, said he couldn't do, they wouldn't count those internships. Um, because interestingly, interesting, yeah, interestingly enough, none none of the listed people have a degree in the related field. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what, that's university by university. Uh, yeah. at, at the at the place at the places that I've taught exercise phys as opposed to nutrition, right? Because I've taught in both kinds of departments, very different flavors actually. But in the exercise science departments, uh, like for example, the university I'm at now, we have an exercise science major and then we have what what we call movement science majors the movement science majors are going on to become licensed professionals in some way they're going to grad school they're going to become yeah. physical therapist or or a physician's assistant something like that the exercise uh specialist kind of majors um these guys have much more leeway setting up and tailoring their own uh internship experiences and yeah. it's very common to work with a strength coach like, like I said, we're back to that CSCS yeah. credential, you know, uh, at a university, <clears throat> working with athletes and that kind of thing. But 
um, at least where I'm at now and when I was at, at Kent State, uh, these are both state universities, you know, medium to large size state universities. Yeah. And they have, for the exercise science majors, quite a bit of leeway with where they go do their internship. Gotcha. So, you know, like you were saying, oftentimes exercise physiology is a stepping stone degree toward physical therapy or physician's assistant or occupational therapy, yeah. you know, pick or med school, that some students go to med school. But at the same time, right, there are people who don't necessarily want that, and they should have the leeway to, uh, I think, work in industry. You know, it's just, again, back to what Dr. Evans said last week. I mean, that's a real guy to listen to because not only does he have more degrees than a thermometer, he's also, <laughs> he's also saying stuff like work with, work with the best in the field, yeah. you know, and balance those two things out. And that's kind of where a lot of these guys, they do have to be careful because if they just pick someone who's in the quote unquote fitness industry, and you know yeah. what I mean by that, Phil, yeah. you could get somebody who's a, who's a, Online, they're a celebrity. Yeah. But if you go look, they don't have any actual degrees or experience, you know, substantial experience in what they're professing. So you do have to be careful. But um, I would say that I would like personally to have a student maybe work with a strength conditioning coach, you know, but also give them the leeway to go do some of these other things. So because at that stage, you got to think about the student first, right? As, As a mentor to these guys and gals. You want them to go get a nice breadth of what the industry is like and then the academic side and, you know, put these things together and decide to forge the career of their choice. It's their career after all. So, uh, yeah, yeah, there's got to be some balance. I uh, thought it was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And I think, the, again, the reason for that kind of thing is because unlike nutrition or physical therapy, exercise is not a licensed profession. Yeah. So you're going to get a school-by-school determination of what, what's okay or not as an internship. Yeah. So uh, the last thing I was going to say before we go to break here is, again, from the NPC uh, Competitors Magazine, um, their ad for the IFBB Professional League, you guys will find this interesting, I think both of you, uh, the pictures that they choose to put on here uh, for the IFBBPro.com ad, Corey Everson and Arnold Schwarzenegger. They super they they superimposed Corey and Arnold together in the middle of this ad, and I'm thinking, does that not just yeah you yeah. know speak volumes? It, it, this is not Dexter Jackson, this is not Phil Heath, and again, nothing against some of the more recent batch of guys, but they went to Corey again back to the days where, and I'm, I'll probably piss some people off, but you had a variety of very attractive female bodybuilders, you know. Yeah. Uh, or Arnold, you know, what is he, 6'2", 240 or something. You know what I mean? Uh, none of the GH belly, not ruined by um, pharmaceutical technology, I think. And, um, now, and, and But you know what? As, as a, uh, of course, a, you know, that bodybuilding, again, is my roots. That, that makes me actually very sad because it really does show just how stagnant and just kind of aimless and going nowhere you know, these divisions are. And I mean, if you even look at the kind of the, the prospects who are coming through, I mean, you see guys all the time, people will post, you know, on Get Big and stuff, you know, videos of some guy that's coming through. And here's a guy who, what class winner here? Here's a, it, it, you know, just the, it, the, the pool, it, it just, just seems to be drying up. And I don't know what's going on with that. I mean, I see guys who are like, 
um, state champions over in, in, in countries over in Europe and so forth who aren't even pros by far, you know, who have much, much better physiques than some of the guys who are winning their classes at, you know, or certainly earning their pro card at some of the, you know, pro qualifiers here in North America. And I, and now you saying that, like, you know, Corey Everson, I mean, what was it? her last time on Miss Olympia stage was over 20 years ago, right? I mean, God, Arnold yeah, Schwarzenegger, yeah. his last one was 1980. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, right. what what is that saying? You know exactly, and it, that's very sad. I know it's tough. It's t- when you look at this sort of thing. I mean, I know they're going for a vintage kind of thing, but it, you know, it just emphasizes that sort of golden era is is gone. And I mean, you know, these are the best examples they can pick. They got to go back twenty, thirty years. Yeah. You know, and again, I'm not saying that there's not some amazing physiques, but what did Bill Pearl say to us uh, months ago? He said something along the lines of. We need somebody with uh, personality and charisma, uh-huh. and, and that's not really kind of what we're getting per se, you know. And like I said, and don't get me wrong, I made the comment about being sort of ruined with pharmaceutical technology. Uh, again, p- re- listeners know that we don't judge in that way, um, and I'm not saying Arnold was natural by any means. Christ, no, he wasn't natural, but. Again, you know, it's it's that sort of uh, escalation, just like with the mil- militaries escalate the arms race over years and years. It's the same thing you've seen with uh, drug use, and and it's led us in a, uh, I don't know, a bad direction, I think, sometimes. So, anyway, uh, I have one last bit of news, and then we'll go to break. Uh, that I was just talking about the National Strength Conditioning Association. I'm sort of cheerleading them lately. Uh, but the NSCA Coaches Conference... Uh, Online registration ends December 23rd. So if anybody wants to head down to Texas, it's San Antonio, Texas, January 6th and 7th. NSCA Coaches Conference 2012. There's really a very broad range. If you're not just academic-minded, this could be great for you. In fact, the the organizers actually said, Lonnie, don't get too sciencey. You know, keep it very practical for these guys. Uh, So there's talks on nutrition, all kinds of training. In fact, it's mostly training. Um, the keynote speaker is Coach Mac Brown, University of Texas. He's a you know big time football coach. He's he's really turned some programs around where their teams stung some of the best teams uh, ever. You know, like the Ohio State Buckeyes and stuff like that. So, uh, pretty cool stuff. And online registration is just about to end, uh, so you can you know go check that out. Just Google NSCA Coaches Conference 2012. Yeah, that's Friday. So, yeah. Uh, yeah so uh, co- coming up. You know, and uh, I know I'll be there. Dave Barr will be there. He's uh, he works with the NSCA now. Uh, you know, some good stuff. So, yeah. okay. Well, that's the news. And when we come back, we're going to sort of wrestle with this topic of what makes somebody uh, intermediate or advanced. So we'll be right back. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lonman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So, Uh, Whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, 
uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Alrighty, welcome back, listeners. This is Dr. Lonnie Lowry and Phil uh, Sexy Santa Stevens <laughs> and, and, and Rob Fortress Fortney. And our topic today is going to be pretty brief. Uh, we had a lot of news to cover and uh, contest and whatnot. But the topic is how to determine if you're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced lifter. And this question came up on the Iron Radio listeners page because yeah. we are talking about how uh, you know, this exercise concept of diminishing returns. Uh, and this is a well-documented uh, phenomenon, and you could look at it in exercise physiology books. There might be slightly different terms for it, but it's an exercise principle, just like overload might be or, you know, any of these other ideas. But diminishing returns basically suggests that the further advanced you get toward your genetic limit, the smaller the returns will be. You know, like we were saying, you can't expect to gain 20 pounds in a short period of time as an advanced lifter, you know, not certainly not of all muscle mass, but if you're a beginner, you might be able to put on 20 pounds over a couple of months. So that's where this started, and all I wanted to do is toss around some ideas because somebody said, well, you know, guys, how do we know when we're an intermediate? How do you know when you're advanced? And this is, of course, a little nebulous, so we're going to start to touch on some of the topic areas. So You're advanced, you're advanced with any, when everybody in the gym always stops and stares when you're doing a lift. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm so damn hot, they always do that, Rob. <laughs> day one, they did that today. Yeah, well, you're, you're, you're selling the sexy. That's not I know, fair. I know. <laughs> selling the sexy. I, I think a good rule of thumb, I, I, a big part of me agrees with Ripto on this, and his, considering you're eating correctly, eating for the, uh, to, eating enough to support your training, that I think maybe um, when linear progression stops working for you, maybe you're now intermediate. You know, when you can no longer go in each week and add a couple pounds to every lift, because um, we all know that's kind of how it started. When you started, you could go in and bench 130, and then next week you could come in 135 for the same amount of reps and, and yeah, on, yeah, on yeah. for so many months. Um, I think as long as you're eating for it, that that might be a good indicator. Um, when When you start to actually plateau and it's not a... You didn't eat enough plateau, but it's a, uh, you know, you, you hit several plateaus even when you rested, and uh, you have to get a little more complicated, get a little more rest with your training is a good rule of thumb, I think. And, you know, and I think it also should be said that, you know, I mean, and again, this is kind of maybe getting kind of anal here, but there's, there's you know, parameters within each of those three, you know, qualifications too, right? I mean, I mean, I don't think it's a, just like, you know, when you talk about what somatotype, when you talk about, you know, uh, you know, mesomorph and endomorph and it, it, the, no, there's nobody who's, you know, one or just, you know, strictly one purely or the other. It's kind of like you, you have kind of like bleeding into one or the other. Um, I mean, so yeah, there could be a guy who, who, who by all, all accounts could be a, an expert, but he's not quite the master that maybe yeah. somebody else was. 
I almost like the difference between your your black belt, but now you're an eighth degree Dan black belt, or so, it's something yeah. like that. So, you yeah. know, it, it's not as easy as just saying, okay, I'm beginner, you know, and now I woke up, you know, to this morning, and now I'm an intermediate. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I can't wait for that day, which I when I'm going to be advanced. It, it's, right. Because I mean, you know, for guys like us, you know, been training for twenty plus years, you know, it's it's we might have achieved that kind of <laughs> that kind of title, you know, again yeah. by most people's standards, ten, fifteen years ago, maybe, maybe. Well, Rob, you just mentioned something that I think is part and parcel of what Phil was saying, and that's. Uh, you know, there's a time involvement with some of this. You know, it's a blur from one stage to the next. Yeah. You know, it's not a rite of passage kind of event for, at least for most people, I think. Maybe a, there's a key competition that, you know, makes you, helps you make that jump. And I think either attending or, or, com, or, um, participating in competitions is one way to help build, you know, this sort of, uh, you know, intermediate status from beginning status. But let's talk about years in the trenches. See, that's uh, tough. See, I suggested on our on our forum, and I I made the point that Rob just did. There's a lot of caveats here. There's a lot of individual things here, but I suggested somewhere around three years before you're intermediate. What do you think about that? The problem I have with time is that what what were you actually doing for those three years? Were you exercising or were you training? You know, I know guys who have, who have exercised for 20 years, and I still consider them a novice. Oh well, I mean, no, I mean you with know. a with a plan. You know, yeah. you're, you're training with a plan, and you know, like we talk about thousands of hours under the squat bar and that kind of thing. Uh, I, I'm just, tr- I'm trying to create some kind of uh, yeah. approximations here. You know, like I don't think anybody who trains for six months is intermediate. I just yeah, don't. No. No. You know, uh, and you know, Rob was saying, and Phil, I know you have too. You measure these things in decades. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, in that kind of perspective, I would suggest that you know, maybe around the three-year mark. Uh, and I'll tell you what goes with that too. Instead of just time, weight gained so far. Like if you think about bodybuilding or powerlifting, uh, in fact, this is what spurred this question, which is, you know, how much can I continue to gain? Uh, you know, like advanced guys just don't gain 20 pounds in a short period of time yeah. like a beginner might be able to. And I would suggest that if your body mass index, if your weight for height when you figure this out, uh, is in the uh, upper 20s. You're, again, you go Google body mass index. It's basically your height in uh, meters squared divided by your weight in kilos. But the point being is, it's um, if you're in the upper 20s, you're overweight compared to the average person. Now, I'm not saying we're fat, right? Because you're building muscle is the idea. But once your your body mass index starts pushing over 25, you're 26, 27. I mean, and we were laughing a few episodes ago. Once you get to 30. You're actually obese, specifically by body mass index, by weight for height uh, standards. So I would say once you've got a fair amount of muscle mass and your body mass index is actually overweight, you are heavier for your height than the average Joe, that's probably a good indicator if you didn't start there, let's say, because some people are very heavily built. But if you've gone from uh, an ectomorphic guy like I was, you know, I graduated high school at a buck fifty-five. You know, at five nine, yeah. and now I'm well. I I've been eating myself up. I'm I'm just a hair under two ten right now at five nine. So y- you see what I mean? There's I've put on fifty pounds almost, yeah. or give, give or take, uh, in the last twenty years of training. And so that that's also a factor. If, it, how much have you gained so far? If you've only gained, 
I mean, you may have been at this for three years, four years, five years. If you're about the same weight as you were when you started, I'm not sure you're yeah. intermediate yet. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think there needs to, there's an education component to it too. I mean, you need to. I think you need to be able to, of course, um, execute the basic moves correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I think more than that, maybe even you can identify yourself when when and what you did wrong when something goes wrong. I'm not saying you can coach it, but you know when. Wow, that squat was it felt weird, and this is why. Yeah. You know, I shifted to my toes. I st- you know things like that. Yeah. Yeah, um, and you know, and, and and this is why I'm saying, and I think this is kind of Phil was kind of touching upon this a few minutes ago, the whole idea that. Really, when you go into any average commercial gym, you'll see just how rare it is for people to be, you know, upper level, intermediate, advanced. Mm-hmm. And it's it solely on, it, not even talking about, you know, competitive aspirations or experience competitively, but just like, like Phil's saying right now, you know, the, the ability to kind of understand you know the the basic um, techniques of of the basic lifts and so forth, and be able to like diagnose yourself or somebody else. I mean, you go into these commercial gyms and you watch most people if they squat, you know, and, and they still stink, and they've been you know, but they've been they've been doing their you know quote unquote routine for eight years. So, um, it, it's amazing yeah. to me. I mean, just how how poorly um, people who have been in the gym for years still. Um, well, that's why, yeah, that's what you're saying is why years uh, involved cannot be the only criteria. It's one. Yeah. And, again, that's why we said it's sort of a blur of all these factors, you know, because. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, just like you were saying about, you know, like even like Phil Heath and so forth. I mean, I've not using him specifically because I've never actually sat and watched him train. I mean, I've seen videos of him doing odd things. But I can I, I won't, but I can name several professional, top professional bodybuilders that I've seen, watched with my own eyes, train. And if I'm really going to be, <laughs> you know, keeping it real, these guys, from a standpoint of their their knowledge base, of, you know, actually why they're doing it, why they're implementing it for what reasons, probably wouldn't stretch much beyond the intermediate, really. Okay. And these are guys who are walking on the Mr. Olympia stage. So that, that that's it's true, Lonnie. I mean, all these measures that we're using are all just... Uh, you know, interconnected. Yeah, because I mean, you can't use just one by by a landslide. Because, like you said, you get a world champion bodybuilder who, I mean, by all rights, really doesn't really have a clue what the hell he's doing. Versus some guy who just, for whatever reason, right. has the crappiest muscle building genetics on the planet. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. right. but you know, for for like you were saying, Lonnie, you know, he started at 130 and now through like incredible incredible effort over several years, now he's 185. And most people would be like, oh, he doesn't even look like he works out. Then but this guy might be in, intermediate. He may even yeah, be advanced. But, yeah, yeah, I was going to say this guy, but this guy might be totally like advanced like hell just because he's, because he started with such, such pathetic genetics and he's had to just, you know, work like a dog and learn everything possible about, you know, it, 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 from a layman's terms of nutrition and exercise selection and all these types of things, but yes, yeah, some guy who might well, be. Isn't that you know? Isn't that the beauty of it that if you're down on one thing, like let's say genetics, you can sort of make up for it with education. Maybe you get a degree in exercise science. You know what yeah. I mean? Or something to help. You know, again, if these are different things, you can choose to boost. You know, the, the end result, or like maybe even something philosophical, like your reasons for training. 
you know, beginners usually train for others, like Phil says, and once you become intermediate, and certainly by the time you're advanced, you you truly don't give a damn. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> you know? and, and because the people who really only usually get to that level are people who are doing it for either from the get-go or, like you say, they eventually found that, you know, their initial reasons for getting into it are really, you know, not at the heart of the matter of why they're doing it. You know, and it's almost like that journey, you know, that spiritual journey, the monk-like thing where you're, you know, through the toil and the effort and the consistency and the time you, you kind of learn about yourself and you're like, holy crap, I, I started this 10 years ago because I thought I just wanted bigger arms to, you know, turn on the chicks at the bar. And as it turns out, I'm still doing this. And, you know, that fire that I thought was burned for that actually had very little to do that with that. It had to do with this or it had to yeah. do it, with It matures, that. I think. Yeah, the philosophy matures, yeah. you know. Right. So, I mean, so we've got all these different factors. I know we need to wind up here. We don't have a lot of time. So we've got knowledge at each level. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about with some of these uh, instant gratification training certificates. You know, you yeah. think you're a performance coach and, you know, dude, you haven't put in enough time under the bar, you know. Yeah. Um, but it could be schooling and, you know, all these things that go into knowledge. And I wanted to touch on one thing nutritionally there. At the very least... When you, to move from beginner to intermediate, you need to have a good idea about how many calories you need to maintain or grow and how much protein should be coming, you know, should be consumed. So calories and protein, you know, that's a traditional, what a dietitian or almost anybody would throw at you. You've got to have a good idea about how much calories and protein you need. Maybe calories, the more important, uh, in a lot of ways of the two, yeah. but, but, you know, you got to have a good role, uh, handle on the nutrition, on, like Phil said, basic movements, uh, stuff like weight gain so far. If you're doing stuff right and you're training properly, to continue to advance, because some people do get stymied, they get stuck, maybe they never become advanced, you know, but the weight gain so far, you know, have you put on at least 20 pounds, or like I said, based on your height, that might differ a little, body mass index. What are your best lifts? You know, John Mike was suggesting the one, two, three, four rule. Overhead press, you know, one plate on a side, bench two plates, uh, squat three plates on a side, and then deadlift four plates on a side. So basically, you know, your bench, your military pressing 135, benching two and a quarter, squatting 315, deadlifting 405. I think that's pretty good. He was doing that as a suggestion that now you're competitive. I would suggest that that puts you at least intermediate, uh, oh, yeah. if, if not toward advanced in a lot of ways, because compared to most people, that's strong as hell. Uh, yeah, you know, but still, uh, I mean, that's you're comparing it to most people's the problem, and the most people have that has gone downhill greatly the last twenty thirty years. The, the majority has <laughs> declined. Know, yeah, no, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. And it's, you know, when people are like, "Oh, he's stronger than the average guy on the street," I'm like, "Well, that that's not too that's impressive." Not well, I mean, no, I'm sorry, fitness. I, I don't think mediocre and advanced can be graded on a curve anymore. The curve is so jacked up. I would still argue, though, that that's a good rule of thumb. You know what I mean? Because I don't think any beginner can do those numbers. No, no, I agree. I mean, I think those numbers are are, are pretty good. That's what I mean. I I caught flack a year or so ago about saying any grown-ass man should be able to pick up 405 off the floor. Um, And I still believe that's true. I don't care what weight you are. If you're 170 pounds, if you train hard enough for several years, you're going to be able to deadlift 405. Yeah. It's just going to happen. Yeah. And also, and, and also, I think it's good that you're using multiple, um, you know, um, exercise movements and so forth because we all know that. I mean, and the, the YouTube is full of these guys. You know, you get that freaky kid 
Okay, who is 180 pounds? Yeah. You know, and he walks in there and he pulls 440 pounds and, you know, it was, it was like, well, what the hell? But this guy still benches, you know, buck 30 and yeah. still, and still squats, you know, like, like 205. Well, I think that yeah. brings us to our, our part back to the knowledge or, or, uh, the experience. It could be either is exercise choices based on your goals. And if yeah. you notice, those are some well, very yeah. sort of standard freestanding man movements. You know what I mean? And, you don't see advanced guys, and usually intermediate. Sometimes you'll see intermediates doing it, but they they haven't come full circle back to the primary barbell lifts. Yeah. And you know they're doing all kinds of outrageous um, dumbbell and I mean dumbbells are great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, cable movements and some of those are good too, but they're using them in the wrong way. Leg extensions yeah. and cable crossovers for their chest as primary movements. And in fact, that article that I saw in Muscle and Fitness about going novice to advanced in 12 weeks. Some of the movements were good. Some of them were just not what I would consider advanced movements. Yeah. So like one of them was the guy had a dumbbell on either side, and he was he was using he had his chest against an incline bench, and he was doing like chest supported dumbbell rows, huh. like with two hands at once with like you know forty pound dumbbells. I'm like okay, no well, things have like things know. have gotten so crazy. I mean, just this yeah. morning I found a video of a guy. Um, some dude that was doing, and he posts on YouTube. And this is the title of it, you know, uh, world record row, and he was using a hammer strength row machine. He he called it 765 because he had what is that eight plates aside or whatever on yeah. there. First of all, how can you say that? Because who who the hell knowing the hammer strength? You know, yeah, how much you're using. You know what I mean? Like the 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 bar represents 765. You have that many plates on 45 pound plates on the standard bar, right? Second of all, is anybody aware of a world record for a hammer strength row? Like, oh, I mean, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, like, yeah. it's just so retarded. Not to mention the fact that when he was actually doing it, I mean, as you might imagine, it was basically just a combination of, you know, wrist wraps, um, yeah. little body jerks, you know, three inches of motion, and his partner pressing down on it. Like, it's just, it's just so stupid. You yeah, know what I mean? And, probably the same guy. I saw the world. World's strongest traps the other day, and he loaded 1,200 pounds on a hammer strength machine and and did a couple shrugs. It was like, like what uh, is that? Like I say, like for, from two points, that's just ridiculous. A, is there such a thing as a world record for that? And how how the hell would you ever measure that? Because like I think like a shrug, I mean, it's just so stupid, you know. Yeah. And so there really has to be a, a standard that yeah. you know that is adhered to for any. Because otherwise, yeah, you're just you, you just got all these freaking numbnuts doing these ridiculous things. No, I, yeah, I think Lonnie, I think you're right. I mean, I think intermediate, you actually, you, you have to start to begin to, you start to understand to do things for a reason, not because you can. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's, well, there's some like kind something. of reasoning behind your plan. Well, I still, I like something that, Bill, you said about 10 minutes ago, which I thought was great because I was thinking about this a few weeks ago and I was talking to some guy and I was saying, when you get to the point where you can actually self, not only recognize while yourself you're doing the movement, but you can actually make, you know, nuanced um, modifications Assessments. Yes. during the movement, like yes. like you were saying, Phil. Right? Like my knees have to come out, my elbows have to go down. Yeah. You know, I have to sit back more on my heels. I have to yeah. drive on the edge blade of my thing. Right? But pull my head back. I mean, it, while you're in the process, and you don't even have a mirror in front of you. You know, yeah. you're actually just like whether it be you start getting that body awareness. Right. Yeah. I mean, when you can do that and do yeah. it correctly, you know yeah. what I mean. So you're actually correcting yourself. As you go, I mean, yeah. within again, within some sort of measure of what what is deemed to be you know proper technique or proper form, when you can do that, you're starting to get somewhere. You know, you're starting to, and again, whether or not there's 225 on the bar or you know 
765 pounds on the bar. I mean, whatever it is, when you can do that, um, that's good. That, 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 like, I'm sure Lonnie can probably relate analogies for martial arts being the same way. You know, when you're going through a, a specific movement without a mirror and you actually can feel when your body is out in where you're supposed to be, I mean, that, you're, you're probably oh, yeah. getting somewhere at that point. Yeah. Well, in fact, in martial arts, it's a good analogy because you've got to have the kinesthetic awareness and, you know, the self-assessment ability down pat. You have to have these movements technically almost perfect. And many people will say that's where your training really begins because now you can start to use this technically perfect movement to further your goals. Like Phil was saying, you're not just doing something because you can. You're doing it. You're choosing this strategically to advance yourself in some way. And once the movement is technically perfect, now you can advance yourself. You can explore those emotions. You can explore. You can start to imagine real combatants or, you know, whatever. And and so let, let me just sum up because we, we really need to end. So how do you determine? I know people need something to stand on here. So I would suggest knowledge base. Get yourself a, a legitimate certificate or even a college degree of some kind, uh, you know, co- coupled with experience around the right kind of people. You know, almost like an apprenticeship in some way. Um, years in the trenches, you might think maybe three-ish before intermediate. Advanced, uh, not everybody makes it to advanced, you know, so that may be ten years. I mean, it's hard to really guess. Six to ten, maybe? I don't I'm just throwing out some ballpark And figures. like you say, a lot of people don't ever even get to that, so. No, they don't. No, they don't. Weight gain so far, I would suggest, you know, you better have put on at least ten to twenty pounds as a beginner before you make it to intermediate, and maybe another five to ten before you get to advanced. It could be more than that, but I'm just trying to give you some numbers, just knowing that the numbers will recede slightly as you get more advanced. Best lifts we covered, the one, two, three, four rule is not a bad uh, suggestion. Yeah. Reasons okay. for training, you know, people move from the eccentri- or, uh, external motivation to more of an intrinsic motivation. Uh, that's part of this, the, philo- the philosophy. Yeah. Uh, yes. Like you said, the self-assessment and body awareness of, you know, uh, you know, like uh, Wendler was saying a couple weeks ago, you know, somebody who could say, if you say, open up your hips or sit back on your heels, they know what you mean and they can immediately act on that. Yeah, right. Uh, you right. know, though, and then I would ultimately, I would say, also either attending or trying to compete, uh, attending competition or, or competing, that might be a yet another one. It's not requisite to be advanced no. uh, by any means, but it's yet another suggestion. That you're, you know, in, in more of an advanced group, and certainly com- competition could be a huge stimulus to, just for spurring you towards, uh, you know, that a much greater kind of, you know, like a, you know, platform in which to stand with this, you know, like a, even if you don't win or whatever, there, there can be, it can be very humbling, and being very humbled is very good for athletes. You know, well, that's um, the ultimate assessment, right? Is, is you think you're advanced and you just you just placed 14th in a class of 14 in bodybuilding. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm not as advanced as yeah. I thought I was. But you know, it's also you know, I mean, you bring up a good point. I know we got to go, but just the idea that you can be advanced in one avenue and not advanced in another. Like I would consider myself very advanced in training and you know, and, and the execution of training and program. Uh, you know, like a design, all that kind of thing. But certainly when it comes to something like nutrition, I mean, I'm, you know, to, to the average person in the gym, I'm probably intermediate, you know, standing next to Lonnie, I'm probably, you know, 
<laughs> beginner easily, <laughs> easily. Yeah. Well, so, you so know, again, yeah. there's yeah. again. So you got to kind of you know know that you can't just be you know be all end all on anything. Like, this is why when people ask me about nutrition, I say, look at you know, I I can give you a very base knowledge about this, but you know, as far as what I consider to be my forte, i.e., my expertise, my advanced kind of knowledge would be this. You know, and, and that also takes somebody to be able to kind of recognize what it is that you're, you know, know tons about and what you're an expert on. Well, that's why and it's good that all the three of us do this podcast because Phil is clearly advanced from a competitive point of view. And yeah. I, Rob, you and I really are not. You know, I mean, we've, oh, we've no. got Phil's, some competitive Phil's got like 20 times the comp- com- competition experience I do, so. Right. And, you know, and, you know, I, I went to school for uh, ever. <laughs> you know, and. <laughs> and you know, so all of us, you know, we, we kind of bring, because yeah. uh, like Phil said for many times, we're specialists. Everybody specializes in what they're best at. I'm never going to be as big as you guys. That doesn't bother me one bit. So, Rob, yeah. just, don't even start. I, I, but what I want to do is be the best that I can. And that means, you know, one of these uh, crossover guys. I want to be able to be a bodybuilder that competes in a, on a fairly high level and a power lifter. I just want to say I competed, you know, in a way, because that's not my main deal. Although I do, I do kind of love it. I really growing on that. But so, anyway, all right, guys. That's a good one. Thanks hey, a lot. And I just wanted to say to all our Iron Radio brothers and sisters, Merry Christmas. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.